Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hello, folks. Welcome to Are You a Fan? Give us a like, follow, and comment. Question for the audience and for Joker. If you had the chance to become a vampire, would you? I, I guess depending on the mythology is based on, what kind of weaknesses you have, depending on the weaknesses, I feel like would be the greatest question to that. I mean, I feel I like mean, with vampirism, the weakness is always the question. Like, I was like, because based on who we're talking about today, with the few weaknesses she has, I'd totally take it. Oh, same. I mean, she, she can go out in the sun. And for those of you listening, we are talking about Vampirilla today. An old school classic from a bygone era, but still weirdly relevant. Yeah, surprisingly, still keeps having stuff come out. <laughs> Thank you, cosplayers, for keeping that alive. Anywho, uh, so yeah, Vampirella, let's get into it. I'm going to put a disclaimer out now. There's a whole lot of names in this whole first half. Oh my. There's going to be a lot of butchering going on. We yeah. do apologize. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> probably a good call, Joker. Uh, oh, God, this is going to be a gauntlet for me. Yes, it is. Okay, I'll go on the first one. Seems to have lead the least amount of names. Okay, created by Forrest J. Ackerman and comic book artist Trina Robbins in Warren Publishing's Black and White Horror Comics Magazine, Vampirilla, issue number one, September 1969, a sister publication of Creepy and Eerie. So <laughs> this one's going to have a lot of publication history, by the way, too. Yeah, compared to pretty much everyone else we've talked about, half I mean, this episode is going to be real-world publication history. <laughs> I'd say the closest we've come is uh, the question got the closest. I don't even think he got the closest. I think actually Black Panther probably was because he had more stuff behind his creation. Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> but that's the closest we've got to this character. Um, Writer-editor Archie Goodwin would later develop the character from Horror Story Hostess, in which, in which capacity she remained through issue number eight, November of 1970, to a horror drama leading character. The magazine was published continuously until 1983 when Warren Publishing folded and its assets were bought by Harris Publications. Vampirella Comics, both new and reprints, have continued through various publishers into the 21st century. Okay, dang. See, wow. That's actually a decent, consistent history in that to um, still be relevant as far as issues coming out into the 21st century. As that stuff still coming out, I'm not 100% sure how relevant, though. True. As weirdly small named she still is for still having stuff coming out. Very true. Uh, and as far as her being like a horror hostess, uh, I'd say that was... Um, do we have that? Do, did I write that down or is that... That was part of her thing because that was in the like kind of the original horror comic she was in. I think that was kind of her role. Okay, because if I remember correctly, she was kind of designed off of like TV hostess at the time, like Elvira. That's probably where that came in. Yeah, and it was probably what she was in that whatever the horror story stuff was at the time. Which you know, not bad thing. Horror had a. Had that little underground following type thing at the time, so. 
That's probably a good call. Okay, moving on. Okay, Warren Publishing. Uh, Vampirill initially appeared in Warren Publishing, black and white horror comics magazine. Vampirilla, issue number one, September 1969, running to issue number 12. Uh, 112. Dang. Oh, oh, man. The letters and the numbers are really throwing me off here. Okay, running to issue number 112 in March 1983. Wow, that's actually a decently long run. Uh, plus a 1972 annual reprinting stories from the series and a 1977 annual with reprints and one new story. So that, that definitely is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's like a, it's 112 issues. My question though, because it just says she's in the horror comics magazines, like is that actually her magazine all the way through the 112 episode? issues or is she just in some of them mm, that's about, it doesn't really it never really specify. did specify i mean i imagine she's probably like she's probably in at least most of them most of them and if she's not in the story she's probably that hostess yep. of the comic in each one so they can easily just be like no she was in each one and we're like oh she okay yeah that's the real question <laughs> but i mean still like that's a solid run for a character Oh yeah. Uh no, that's uh that's actually probably one of the longest runs I've seen of some of our characters we've done. Maybe for some of the smaller name ones. Yeah, I guess for some I of the mean, smaller. when you get to the big names like Black Panther, some of the other big ones we've done, they they've lasted a lot longer than she has. Yeah, but as far as like some of the smaller ones like versus like Question or Stack Shock. Oh yeah, she dwarfs both of them. Oh yeah, like, like insane. Combined. <laughs> Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, the title was a sister magazine of Warren's horror anthologies, Creepy and Eerie. Like those magazines, respective mascots, Uncle Creepy and Cousin Eerie, Vampirella hosted horror stories. Though unlike them, she would also star in her own story, which would headline each issue. Vampirella was initially edited by Bill Parente. It would la- later be edited by Archie Goodwin from issues 7 through 12 and 34 and 35. Billy Graham from issues 13 through 16, Bill Dubay from issues 21 to 50, 87 to 95, 101 and 102, and Louise Jones from issues 51 to 86. So she's got a lot of editors. Oh my God, that's a lot. But dang, yeah, no, that's a that's a lot of different people, people's hands in the work. It's up there with the list of. Edit, or artists we're gonna have in a minute too oh oh god yeah i'm looking down at that i'm not thrilled about that okay i'm moving on i'll take this next one uh according to comic historian richard j arnd so at least all my names are pretty easy to figure out you get the weird ones yeah why 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 i'm dyslexic all right this is you, you chose it arnd t- a-r-n-d-t there's Okay, I apologize, sir, if I butchered your name, but we share a first name, so moving on. Uh, Forrest Ackerman created, or at least had a strong hand in creating Vampirilla, and he clearly had a major influence in shaping the lighthearted bad girl story style of this issue as well. Her costume and hairstyle were designed by comic artist uh, Trina Robbins, the character's first story artist was Tom Sutton. Artist Frank Frazetta's 
first issue cover was a substitute for the original cover by European artist Alan. We're going with Alan on that. Aslan. Okay, Aslan. As far as her costume design, for anybody out there wondering what her costume design is, well, um, put safe search on when you go on Google and you look her up. Uh, Do know, though, that, yes, a uh, woman was actually responsible for designing the outfit and her overall look. Which, when you really think about it, is kind of mind-blowing with how skimpy it really is. It is, but I can see her. I can see her logic in the empowering factor. I mean, look at Elvira. <laughs> that would be more understandable as for a logic today than back in the sixties. Ah, uh, I suppose. <laughs> Just more of knowing the way society was then and now. True. They are doing more of those empowering moves nowadays than they would have been back then. Oh, and fair. in a world where it was still very sexist, it but, still blows my mind that a design <laughs> like that, I mean, was made by a woman. Like, it is very surprising. Yeah, well, but good, you know, good logic, yes. I mean, yeah, but and more power to her. All right. So now we get the nice long list of artists. <laughs> so Jose Gonzalez would become the character's primary artist starting with issue number 12. Other artists who have drawn Vampirilla during her magazine's original run included Gonzalez Mayo, as I'm hoping that's how it's pronounced, uh, Leopold Sanchez, Esteban Morato, Jose Ortiz Escalano, uh, Rudy Nebres, uh, Ramon Torrance, Pablo Marcos, Jim Janes, John Lakey, Val Lakey, and Louis Small Jr. Okay, and I say this as a brown Hispanic Native American man. I'm impressed how many Hispanics were in that list. I mean, that was like literally all except for the last four. Yeah, that, that's kind of what like that is. And again, for that time period, that that's that kind of what that's kind of what's shocking me and impressing me right now. I'm like, wow, awful lot, awful lot of my people around here. <laughs> Which for this for the like early '70s, late '60s, that's yeah, we weren't exactly you know. Upstanding, allowed to be upstanding citizens. But yeah, awesome. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Harrison pub- Publications now. Upon Warren's bankruptcy, shortly afterwards, Harrison Publications acquired the company's assets at auction in August 1983. Although legal murkiness and a 1999 lawsuit by Warren Publishing, James Warren resulted in his. Requisition of the rights to sister publication Creepy and Eerie. Oh wow, that was a that was a lot. <laughs> okay, uh, well, so yeah, I guess that's how Harrison Publications came into possession of her, and then uh, yeah, it looks like James Warren basically took- sounds like he got to keep the sister publication that he yeah. was involved in. Well, he just lost the rights to her and some other assets. Which, I mean, you know, I, I guess keep what you can. Uh, Harris Comics would publish Vampirella stories in various series and miniseries from 91 to 2007, beginning with Vampirella number 113 in 1988. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds like they kind of started in 88, took a couple years off, and then restarted in 91. 
since right. that's literally from beginning of what they said they started with. They're like, no, now we're also going to tell you they started two years before. Man, so it sounds man. like they may have done a series to see how well it'd go. And, and then kind of forgot about it and picked it up a couple years later. I mean, apparently well enough to last, uh, what is that, eight years? From 91 to 2007? Yeah. Or no, wait, that's... That's roughly eight years. Okay, let's go with that. Uh, shit, no. No, yeah, no, that's that's like 18? Well, nope, you can tell we're not uh, math people. <laughs> okay, 18 years, there we go, 91 to 2007. Feels like those memes online. Did you know the people born in 2010 are now 20 years old? <laughs> Uh, it's kind of what we just did. Yeah, it's completely what we just did. <laughs> All right, then. <sighs> Moving on from our lack of math abilities. Here we go. At the... <laughs> at, at the Fangor... <laughs> Guys, this, this character's rough for a dyslexic to go through and read. At the Fangoria Weekend of Horrors con- convention in January 2007, Scott... Lucina, editor-in-chief of Fangora Comics, announced his company had acquired the character from Harrison. However, on April 30th, 2007, Harrison editor Bon... Bon... Harrison editor Bon Alamegno denied... There had been such an arrangement in place and that Fangora's claim was not factual. Harrison subsequently launched a title, Vampirilla Quarterly, which I feel like that's like a a bold move to pull. Like at a con, just be like, we acquired this character. Well, at the end of kind of when they were making comics for I mean, I can't blame him for attempting it because clearly it wasn't probably a large character at the time. Yeah. They probably figured they can get away with it. I just feel like it's a real, <laughs> a real bold move, especially like at like a type of con or something. Oh, yeah. To be like, hey, we acquired this character and just one employee from the company that owns her is just there like, wait a second, Steve didn't say anything about that, or I guess more accurately, uh, Harris. Harris didn't tell me anything about this. Maybe uh, the wonder of being a convention that's partially named after their comic company, if they just assumed that it was a small enough con that they could get away with it. I mean, perhaps. I just... Uh, just the news apparently just happened to get out. Yeah. I also feel like even if your fans who are there, like even if the news didn't get out, at some point your fans might you might get a letter in there like, "Hey, where's those Vampirilla comics you said you were gonna publish?" Right. Yeah, it definitely would have bit them in the butt later. Yeah, just mm, not great. <laughs> so in March 17th of 2010, Dynamite Entertainment would acquire the rights to Vampirilla from Harris Comics. Okay. Wow. So now we're on to number three. <laughs> Oh, man, this person, this character has definitely traded hands a few times. Okay, so the publisher started a new ongoing series with Vampirella, number one, in November 2010, 
A new monthly series, Vampirella and the Scarlet Legion, was released in May 2011. Following the main title, the series lasted 38 issues before concluding in January 2014. So not not a horrible run. Really isn't for your first time having the character. You know, four years is pretty good. Yeah, and 38 issues, it's nothing to scoff at for, uh, for like a story arc or anything. And when most comics take couple months before the the next one comes out that's pretty impressive yeah very i'm dang for a, for an I, I just gotta say for like an unknown a fairly unknown character this character has an impressive run history it really does like it, dang it, it, it surprises me like i'm i gotta get some of these comics and just see what's up <laughs> okay I gotta, I gotta find my one comic i got from my brother's stuff was it vampirella versus lady death i think so yeah <laughs> i remember that comic that's a good comic. Uh, the title would be rebooted in June of 2014 with Vampirilla Volume 2, Number 1, uh, by author Nancy Collins. The 2014 series would continue with Volume 3 in March 2016, which was noted for giving Vampirilla a new costume. Which, from what I read on her costume, that included a leather jacket, and sometimes she would wear fingerless black gloves. So it really didn't change much. From what I heard, the biggest change is, I think now, she does wear normal clothes, but still keeps the original red and gold costume underneath. Which, that makes Supermanning it? Yeah, exactly. Just like, where's the phone booth? (laughs) Okay, yeah. um, So, yeah, not the biggest changes in costume design, but, you know, I... You could technically write it down as a change. Uh, the second reboot and fourth relaunch overall, Vampirilla Volume 4 began in 2017. The series was first written by Paul Cornell and later by Jeremy Whiteley. And that one wouldn't last long because a fifth relaunch written by Christopher Priest and Ergen Guindes. That's what I'm going with. It looks like a very confusing name. Uh, began publication in July 2019 and commemorates the character's 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a short run. (laughs) Yeah, it was like two years at best. (laughs) Just rebooted. Somebody's just looking and they're like, no, we got to do it. We got to start from scratch, guys. Uh, I feel like that one, seeing why it was kind of done in 2019, I feel like that's entirely why it was just another relaunch. Like, we're just going to restart this again just for the 50th. Yeah, I feel like especially during this from 2016 onwards, I feel like a lot of companies were just like, guys, we can kind of just get away with rebooting anything and that there's so much chaos in the world. Who's going to notice? Because wasn't that around the time that the whole New 52 was going uh, on? New 52. Like the major companies were doing the reboots. Yep. New 52s. Uh, I think that was part of... Uh, also, like a new Marvel thing was going on. I think that's when Steve Rogers became a Nazi. God, has it been that long? <laughs> it's been a real long time. Wow. I thought that was only in 2020. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it, we it wasn't were... that long, but apparently it's been longer than I thought it was. I don't was. think we were quarantined when Steve Rogers switched to Hydra. <laughs> a spinoff from the Priest World was also published. Title Sacred Six following Vampirilla's mother Lilith, who lived in a vampire city. Another spinoff will focus on Nyx, 
The fifth relaunch will be to uh, 25 issues long. Well, that's a big commitment to call out there. This will have Vampirilla marry Dracula and will lead into a spinoff, which will follow Vampirilla after her wedding to Dracula called Vampirilla slash Dracula on Holy. Yeah, after reading that section, I kind of wish now I actually looked into that and see if it actually lasted for 25 issues. I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little, feel like we should have. But like, yeah, damn. That's on us. <laughs> uh, in 2019, for the character's 50th anniversary, Dynamite re- uh, revived the series Vengeance of Vampirilla, which had been the name of the Harris Era comic, and hired the original writer of that series, Thomas Snagoski. Uh, that looks like a very Sna- Japanese name. Snagoski, yeah. Uh, to write the anniversary version. It was published on October 2nd that year. Yeah, not bad. Not bad month, too. Hey! (laughs) Kind of like what we're doing. Yeah. Hey, let's do a vampire character in October. Okay, well, yeah. Not not bad. Um, Okay. Mike the Pike Productions? Did I put that in there? No, was that you? Actually, you did. I did? I just added the Mike the Pike the pike productions okay mike i added uh, sections to name off each section of who i did notice as we were going but uh okay mike the pike productions on march 2nd 2021 mike the pike productions dot inks subsidiary arwin media holdings inc acquired the worldwide film television streaming rights to dynamite entertainment's vampirilla including stories, characters, and derivative works of Vampir- of the Vampirilla universe. So... So, while it sounds like Dynamite still owns her comic rights, someone else now has the rights to make movies and TV shows about her. Which, I mean, sounds cool, but I've never heard of that production company. Well, maybe I... Maybe I've... I haven't heard of any of these comic companies either. So it doesn't say a whole lot. I guess, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I mean, maybe a movie in the future. Well, I guess I guess we'll have to just wait and see, folks. We'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, cool. So now, finally into her comic in-world history. Yay! Which, as a slight disclaimer, her history has been altered and modified according to whichever company she was printed in at the time. Yes. Mostly only three of them. Because obviously we don't have the fourth one yet. As they only have movies. Yep, true. So here we go. Uh, let's go with the. Let's start out with you know war, the Warren history. Vampirill was an inhabitant of the planet Draculon, a world where a vampire race lived on blood, where blood flowed in rivers. My God, you could tell this was written in the seventies. Oh yeah. I mean, but at least they didn't do the normal. We have to feed on humans right away. True, true. That which I guess is a I guess is a step up. Uh, it is a nice change of pace. Yeah, I definitely feel like whoever wrote this was listening to some he- like some heavy metal stuff or something. Most likely. <laughs> um, the planet orbited twin suns, which started to cause droughts across the planet, marking certain doom for Rampel- for Vampirilla and her race. Okay, that's not good. Uh, it's, I mean, 
Colorado and California. We were kind of feeling a drought now. So uh, as her race was slowly dying off due to the drying of the planet's blood, a spaceship from Earth would crash on Dracula. And because of that, she would investigate the crash and be attacked by the crew, upon which she would learn the astronauts actually had blood in their veins. And she would manage to pilot the ship back to Earth. That's not that's not ideal. <laughs> it's also <laughs> makes me wonder, what's in their veins then? If they don't have blood like we do, what's in Vampirella's race's veins? Or do they even have veins? I mean, I imagine they'd have veins, but that's a good question. I mean, we assume she does. They, we, they have veins. Yeah, we... They, huh. Based on everything we know of our own creatures and animals on our planet, we assume she would have veins, but... Now it makes me really question, does she? I might have to buy these comics, and we're going to have to do some real in-depth research <laughs> one of these days. After arriving on Earth, Vampirilla tried to blend into Earth's society, going to a television contest. Real solid blending tactic. Hey, put me on screen. Right. She would become seriously injured in a plane crash. Vampirilla drank the blood of all the crash victims to survive. And then she wandered off until she was found by members of the Cult of Chaos. They nursed Vampirilla back to health, planning to take advantage of her natural abilities. But once she learned the true nature of their intentions, Vampirilla attacked them and foiled one of their evil plans to bring chaos to the world. That's a lot. There's a lot of stuff happening in there. Right. Like, and obviously that doesn't really specify how long between any of these events. True. So this could have all been months in a part. I just, I feel like the ED, I hope the crew was dead upon the crash. I mean, I'm hoping so. Again, they didn't really specify. <laughs> they really did. But it also makes me wonder, was it a big plane, a small plane? How many people did she actually end up, you know, getting blood from? As she just like eats five and she's like, you know what? I'll bundle the rest up and drag them with me for later. It's a to-go order. Exactly. Can I get a, uh, can I get a blood bag? A doggy bag as you would? <laughs> okay. Uh, Vampirilla would continue fighting chaos. And in the process, she found the Crimson Chronicles, a occult book that helped her stop drinking human blood for sustenance. Unfortunately, during this, she gained the attention of the notorious vampire hunter, Conrad Van Helsing, who declared war on Vampirilla. Yeah, they, they really stick with that Van Helsing name I for vampire hunters. And I love how every reincarnation, because it's a different era, they just they're just like, I don't know, give them some like what what's the popular name right now? I don't know, Conrad. Cool. Right. But it's always something Van, Van Helsing. Helsing. You got like at no point did the vampires wipe out that family and bloodline? Apparently not. Like, as they're still causing problems for them. Apparently. God dang, man. Get like there's a billion of you and you breathe like crazy. Kill they're humans. Okay, uh Harrison history. Now moving on. Let's see uh where she got her start here. The daughter of Lil uh oh yeah. Vampirilla was the daughter of Lilith whom popular medieval Jewish lore depicts as the first wife of Adam. Lilith would not submit to Adam and was cast out of Eden by God. 
spawned demons. She later repented and went to Eden to bear children to fight the evil she had created. Her first attempt was Madik and Magdalene, who turned to evil. Vampirilla was her second. Madik and uh, Magdalene brainwashed her into believing she was from Draculon. Ah, that's kind of a nice nod to the old to the original, right? Also, well, weirdly accurate with the uh, with the uh, Garden of Eden lore. I mean, that's not hard to just take straight from that mythology and then put it into the comics. It's not. I just I feel like I don't see the Garden of Eden aspect of it play like played enough. I hear it mentioned in a lot of stuff. They're just like, yeah, yeah, Adam Eve. They were things. I think it's because people don't want to go into touching the religious stuff in a lot of these comics fair which especially starting with eden specifically a lot of them i don't think want to even go near that uh further retcons were revisited in vampirella lives and elaborated on in bloodlust draculon was real but was a place in hell vampirella was brought to eden not born there it was lilith not medic and magdalene who made her believe draculon was another planet Vampirilla restores the rivers of blood to Draculon, which weakens Lilith, who is then later killed by the hand of God. So they completely just took that original story and just rewrote it. Kept all, all the pieces <laughs> to it, just kind of swapped everything else out of it and just reversed it. Which, I mean, heck, why not? That's kind of a fun story. Right. Also, just like, I don't know, anytime God gets brought in, I just look at him, I'm like, you lazy. You just, you could could you have done something? It's like, it's you, you guys have free will. So do you. You made us. <laughs> Let's not get into the religious <laughs> yeah. stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, a pretty cool story, though. I do like how they kind of did take um, Draculon and put it in hell. Is like right. Hell is this literal other dimension type thing, basically. Yep. Which it, it is nice though that they still kept the whole Draculon and the rivers of blood. And they kept a lot of the original lore. They're like, we still like this. We're just going to slightly tweak it. Which, honestly, I think it works better as it being a planet in a literal dimension of hell. I mean, it depends on which version you want to go with of her, of making her a supernatural being or just an alien. Because doing it this way makes her that supernatural being, where the other one just makes her a straight-up alien. I like the supernatural being, but I've always been prone to supernatural stuff. So that's just oh, yeah. personal opinion. I, yeah. pr- I prefer this one. I also just think it's, I feel it's less campy, but I could be wrong. A, okay. A further revision in the, in world's end storyline revealed Lilith did not really repent and raise Vampirilla to be good because she wanted to release the heart of darkness, heart of the fallen angel Malkith from Metartans. Metatron, god dang it. You know, for being a supernatural fan, you figure that name specifically would Metat- be a whole lot easier for Metat- you. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> Metatron. Okay, from Metatron's Lance, that's what the Heart of Darkness was. Um, heart of Darkness. The Heart of the Fallen Angel Malekith from, the, from Metatron's Lance, which could only be done by a good person. Another redcon in Vampirilla Revelation reveals the reason Lilith raised Vampirilla to be good was 
that the existence of vampires made Lilith weaker and she wanted someone to kill them. Lilith had used a magic mirror to make Vampirilla believe whatever variation on her origin was necessary at the time. Now, that's convenient. I mean, that, that is a great way to continuously retcon a story and it still all be canon. That is, that is really so, like a solid, like, that's a solid MacGuffin. It really is. It's also, it also feels very cheap at the same time. It really does. It's like, you guys are taking the very easy way out of this. Yeah, but at the same time, can we really talk any smack concerning we got characters like uh, like Deadshot and the Joker and Carnage? I mean, they just continuously remake them. They don't keep all their stories continuously the same, though, usually. True. Except for certain characters like Carnage and and uh, Bullseye, who we don't know for sure what their origin is. Yeah. But, but everybody else, they continuously just rechange it and they're like, hey, this is the new one. Well, that's kind of why like, I brought those two up. I'm like, we can't really talk much smack if we like those guys because it's one of those like, so which backstory's right? And the writers are like, yes. To be honest, it feels almost, if it wasn't for, I know they had, or Harrison had this after a lot of those characters were created, I'd almost say that idea came from Vampirilla. <laughs> I mean, but I'm pretty sure both those characters started before she did, or before Harris got a hold of them. Oh, that's possible. Uh, we might have to do a comparison episode one of these days just for fun. Just random facts. <laughs> yeah, just random comparisons and dates to characters. That'd be fun. Okay, uh, now we're on to Dynamite. Or... Yeah, the Dynamite Entertainment. Yep, Dynamite <laughs> Entertainment. Finally, into the third one. Yes. Uh, Vampirilla was relaunched with Our Lady of Shadows as an agent of the Vatican uh, before being relaunched again with a new costume in Hollywood Horror under author Katie Leth. In this universe, Vampirilla had recently come to Earth and began to become a Hollywood scream queen. She lives with her live-in boyfriend, Tristan, and Butler Coleridge. No idea how to pronounce that name. Give, dude, you, yeah, you got me. I, I don't know why I lean forward like I could suddenly read a word. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> if I can't pronounce a name, I can almost guarantee you can't. Nope, nope, yeah, no. <laughs> At least in real names. <laughs> True. Okay, uh, after after falling into it, which, that, Vatican? Wait, what? Yeah, that one kind of threw me <laughs> off. I'm like... You guys are, I guess you guys are still keeping to the whole religious thing. I mean, why not? Like, if you, I mean, especially if they still let her technically do crossovers with characters like Lady Death or Priest, might as well. It just kind of makes me think of uh, Helsing with, uh, I, I can't think of his name now. Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where he is that Vatican, you know, Vampire Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what she became. I mean, bet I best way to kill a monster is send a monster. Yep. Arguably. <laughs> After falling into a thousand-year sleep, Vampirilla wakes in a bizarre dystopian future where she meets her new sidekick and girlfriend, Vicky, and a black cat named Grift. Uh, oh, and a black cat she names Grit. After going on a journey through her own mind, Vampirilla learns she has absorbed all the memories and experiences of hundreds of Vampirillas from parallel universes. 
Wow. Just straight up going for that one. <laughs> it To be honest, that almost sounds like an easy way for them to take all of her former comics and making them canon again. It's actually... like That basically just took from every publisher... Any comic you read is con- is canon to her, which kind of brilliant. Really is for as many different <laughs> publishers she's had. Yeah, that's actually kind of brilliant. Also, I do uh, I do think that like a little side fun fact in that I think this is actually the issue where it was uh, canonically like she's come out as like pansexual, like bi or pansexual. Because yeah, okay. yeah, she is technically now considered uh, like bisexual, and that I think this is the comic where because I think she actually starts to date this character Vicky. Okay. Just a little fun side note. <laughs> uh, according to the Hack and Slash series, Vampirella is currently working as a radio talk show host and has several times teamed up with Cassie and her partner Vlad to stop demons and vampires instead of the standard slashes the series is known for. Uh, she and Vlad have an intense physical attraction and relationship, but broke up because his nomadic lifestyle did not mesh with hers. I mean, I figure, you know, she's a radio host. She's like, dude, I need to stay in town. And he's like, but, but, but the highway. <laughs> I, mean, I guess depending on how you do the radio, you could do that from anywhere as long as you have service. I mean, I argue that point too, but you know, I guess if you're a bit of a homebody. I feel like that's much more what it is. Yeah. She's like, dude, I have traveled through the multiverse for a few decades now. Can I just please stay in this town? Yep. Okay. Well, there, there you go, folks. That is her um, history and publication history. As long as it was. Uh, Finally. <laughs> done with it. <laughs> let's get into her powers and abilities now. Vampirella has many abilities of vampires in most mythologies. Which I you you can kind of assume that's going to be the case, right? But that can change. So yeah, and I mean she does have certain abilities that definitely are not normal. Oh, of course. But is definitely good to have. Most of them are very stereotypical. Of course. I mean, we got. Uh, let's start the list here. We got super strength, super speed, enhanced senses. Uh, you know, all three of those are very vampiric standard issue. Now, we're going to get into a little bit more of the uh, weird, unique things. Can tell a person's mood by pheromone scent alone. Which is pretty cool. Right? Like, dang. I would never, I would never tolerate, I would just, yeah, I'd avoid so many bad situations with people. Everybody would. Yeah. Just walk in and be like, nope, nope, somebody's in a mood, not dealing with it. Okay, super hearing, another standard vampire trope. Uh, can see in pitch black, once again, another vampire ability. Healing factor, even immune to human diseases. Now, that one's always back and forth, because the healing factor generally most vampires have, yeah. but the immunity can alter based upon who's writing, as far as like like diseases, what they're immune to. Oh, yeah. That. Okay. Another one that's pretty inconsistent is her ability to turn people into vampires. Um, was a plot point in the Warren era that she, uh, that she could not because she was a being from another planet, not a supernatural creature. But the origin was since revised, and now um, she could do it in the Shadowhawk crossover. However, that crossover is out of continuity for Shadowhawk and maybe out of continuity for Vampirilla. Which I feel so, like with her... So well, it sounds like for the most part... Her one time that we've known her to be able to do it may or may not even actually be canon. 
Yeah, but uh, honestly, if we just go with the fact that uh, now she's a mythical vampire, I'd assume she could. She just doesn't. I mean, we can assume, but they never actually say whether she can or not anymore. I'm just gonna go with assuming right. <laughs> that on because I mean I can see why she wouldn't. Most vampire, most good vampires don't want to. So, well, but also if she doesn't have to survive off of humans, I mean, why she really want to go around turning people into vampires that are gonna start doing that? That's yeah, very true, actually. Good point. Uh, okay, I don't know why I read that as cold brew. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for what you want to know, I read as cold brew. I read could grow bat wings as cold brew wings. So that's a thing you all know about me now. Was that like uh, frozen wings? <laughs> <laughs> I could go for I could go for some ice cream. <laughs> okay, her her stare and even voice are hypnotic and seductive to humans, particularly males. She has been seen as having the ability to induce sexual arousal in men simply by being in their presence. Which, to be honest, especially that one, I feel like they made intentionally because of the way her character was designed. I could see that. Like, that's never hugely a big thing in any vampire story. No, the, uh, like the, the hypnotic factor... And the seductive factor are pretty common. Yes. But the fact that she just has to be there, that definitely feels very tropey to why the way she looks. God, I would hate to have her as an arch rival. <laughs> I'm just trying to take over the world. She enters the room. I'm like, what is she doing here? Who let her pass the front door? This is why I hire female security this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll let you finish off. Uh, she's also telepathic immortal which i mean that, that yeah. one kind of goes back and forth with most vampires too true um she is skilled in hand-to-hand and modern day firearms but you know that's just kind of a unique thing i feel Yep. um she is not prone to the race's traditional weaknesses such as daylight holy water garlic or crosses um she does not attack people to drink their blood except occasionally when she herself is attacked or desires to kill <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like the fact that it's only the random desire to kill or in defense that is very niche and very different. It That is a fairly, actually, with vampires, I feel that is actually a fairly niche thing. Which is kind of nice, though, that they have a character that's like, I don't want to drink your blood. We're not going to do it. Unless you attack me first. Yeah, you also got to wonder, like, when does that desire to kill really pop up? <laughs> All right. Um, and this part... I didn't see anywhere else, so it may only be during the war in history. Because I found it on her wiki specifically, which only showed the war in history. So I don't know if this is actually a part of any of the new stuff. Okay. Um, But during that history, she also possessed retractable wings on her back, giving her ability to fly, possessed invisibility, and the ability to shapeshift into the form of a giant bat. Huh. Which I feel like... Okay, the bat wings, I feel like... That one kind of could go with the bat wings, but that one yeah. said she could grow them. This one said this they were just retractable on her back. Okay. So th- the way this one reads it, they don't go away. They're just there. 
Interesting. Which I feel like that's a depending on the vampire. That's yeah. a fairly common trope. So is the shape shifting into a giant back. The invisibility. That one's kind of random. That one is very. That one really depends on the writer of the vampires. And even that's not a. Because I think that's I'm, a pretty rare ability too for vampires. Yeah, I think I think uh, Lincoln versus vampires is the only time I've really seen it done. I was like, that one extremely rare. But yeah, yeah that, the shape shifting that's just your stereotype from back with Vlad. Right, exactly. I'm a bat. I'm gonna fly away. Blah blah. I don't say blah blah blah. <laughs> okay, um, other media now. As compared to everyone else, has two lines. Whew. So, in 1996, she had a Vampirella film adaptation produced by Concord Pictures starring Talisa Soto. I saw a few previews from it. It is definitely from, like, the 90s. You know, I never even saw that. I'm definitely going to have to look that up now. It's, it's um, interesting. But in this year, in 2021, Dynamite Entertainment announced a new film is in development. Bleh. A new film is in development. In addition, for plans for TV adaptations based on the Vampirella universe. So this is in the same year that that new that the fourth company oh, got okay. the rights to do the movies, the TV shows, all the uh, live, like all the media, all the stuff outside of the comics. Yeah, like film and TV. Yeah. Yep. The which honestly, I'd watch a goddamn cartoon of Vampirella. Oh right! I just I kind I kind of love the concept. It reminds me of the uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but the heavy metal like rock opera movies. I have not, but that sounds interesting. They are that's to say the least. Okay, <laughs> that's an apt description. But yeah, no, she, her from what I've read of this character, she just seems like that very heavy metal, like that that epicness. Like you've seen a heavy metal T-shirt, like yep. just like any rock band. That's what it kind of feels like. That makes sense. Like just this epic, like a planet of blood. <laughs> oh, but that's great. Yeah, that look- is all of her uh, outside of comics history. That has got to be the shortest media history other media history we've ever had it, it is like without a doubt that is the shortest we've never had one that had yeah no they everybody's always had at least a movie and a tv show or a handful of each yeah and or shown up in games somewhere and at least been cameos yeah she got nothing wow well uh you know what well you, you a fan joker i mean I always kind of was, didn't know a lot about her. I've definitely not read any of her comics, which I really need to get into because they seem interesting. They definitely seem up our alley. But for what little I know, I will say I'm a fan. (laughs) And you know what? For what little I know, I'm a fan too. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time. You're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.